It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Sometimes you have to bring in people that are smarter than we are to try and answer some very difficult questions, even in the world of sports. That's what we're about to do here on ESPN Radio. Which oh, it's not me. <laughs> oh, I was like, it's a really nice yeah, intro. That was kind of a buildup, right? Because you're in for Amber Wilson, well, so nice all of a sudden Zaz is like, look at this. Hey, Feds, appreciate it, man. No, not you. Uh, we are presented in part by Progressive Insurance, and joining us is a dude who has got more degrees than we have letters in our names. He's Field Yates, ESPN NFL insider, first draft podcast, fantasy football-focused podcast host, and... Uh, well, draft analyst, and his first draft, mock draft, is out. It has been. Go check it out if you haven't because you're missing out if you have not looked at it. And he has an also an, a very interesting read-up on ESPN.com that he and Courtney Cronin did involving what was going to happen or what should happen with the number one overall pick with the Bears and Justin Fields. Yates, how we doing, man? How we been? Gentlemen, what's going on? We are doing well. It feels like the NFL offseason is supposed to be starting. And yet every time I turn on our radio airwaves or the TV, all I hear or see is NFL discussion. It's a beautiful thing, and you can't convince me otherwise. That's the marketing genius of the brand known as the National Football League. They never, That's ever right. go Rod, away. Doing. Absolutely, man. All right, so let's begin before we get to the draft. Let's begin with Justin Fields. What – what do you believe is the what? What do you think the Bears should do with the number one overall? If you were in that front office and they asked you your opinion right now, my opinion would be to use that number one overall pick on Caleb Williams, who I believe is the best prospect in this class. I feel like he has a chance to be a longtime star in the NFL. And while Justin Fields certainly has had some moments in the NFL, generally speaking, when you're still asking the question about whether the guy as a surefire starter three years into his career, it means that the answer is no. And the Bears could recoup some draft capital by a trade of Justin Fields after using that number one pick on Caleb Williams. This also allows them to reset the timeline of their quarterback contract because even if Justin Fields does not get an extension this offseason, next year he'll be making either a fifth-year option or be in year one of a very, very lucrative extension. So, the Bears uh, have not just more optionality, but I think more upside with Caleb Williams under center long term. So I would be looking to move Justin Fields before the draft because I think there's a chance you can create a stronger market, uh, maybe even before free agency begins, because teams won't have had the chance to play their cards elsewhere at quarterback. And you get a decent offer from Justin, you move on there. And while that would be tipping your hand, for the NFL draft, I'm okay with that when you have that number one overall pick. Field, so when when the Bears say that they'll they'll have their decision after the combine, I mean, I find that hard to believe. How much of a percent do you believe that they are sure right now what they are actually going to choose to do? I, I'm sure they have a lean. I think we all know what the lean is. The lean would be that they trade Justin Fields. There's a reason why Justin has been asked about it and acknowledged the possibility. There's a reason why Ryan Poles, their general manager, has been asked about it and acknowledged the possibility, even if not in necessarily certain terms. But um, 
while phones, of course, work and exist, we're talking over a phone right now for this radio interview, uh, the Combine is a little bit different because it's an in-person event where Ryan Poles has a chance to speak with other general managers, including those who might have a need or an interest in Justin Fields, and gets to speak to them in person. I am not saying that you can't negotiate when you are not in person, but there is a different element in play. So I think yet another opportunity to go and shake some hands and talk through some things and maybe do so over, uh, you know, some shrimp cocktail at St. Elbows can either accelerate talks or it can decelerate talks and maybe lead you to a different decision. But I think push comes to shove. Justin Fields is no longer a bear uh, by the time we either get to the start of free agency or certainly the start of the draft. All right, we're going to get back to football in a moment, but Field Yates just brought up St. Elmo's. Now I've got to go into a deep dive here. The shrimp cocktail, the, 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 um, and it, it's awesome. It'll clear your sinuses out. Is that I the mean, go-to, you know, the shrimp cocktail? You the, mentioned it already yeah, this yeah, show. Yeah, and, and, but Field, I, I'm, uh, this is going to be sacrilegious to some people. I think this steak okay. is remarkably overrated. Wow. Don't go eat the steak at St. Elmo's. Am I wrong? Uh, you are wrong, but that's okay. You're from Texas, right? So you got you got calf. You probably have a calf in your backyard, right? Now, right. There's probably some some cow that's your audio engineer down there in your palatial estate in Dallas. Right. Uh, it is I, the only. I, I happen to enjoy it now. I also, you know, I just enjoy steak in general. But always, the only thing about uh, about St. Elmo's that always kind of throws me for a world, gentlemen, is the shrimp cocktail is delicious. Oh and yeah. Yet we're eating shrimp in the Midwest. You're landlocked there, right? Like, where's this shrimp coming from? Now, you're talking to a Massachusetts guy. That's where I was uh, born and raised. And so, you know, I, like, I was eating tuna fish before I was eating, like, uh, and I was eating, you know, like, uh, like lobster tails before I was eating, you know, like, uh, like the formula that I feed my, my eight-month-old baby right now. So um, I guess I have a high standard for the quality of seafood. Um, but yeah, I get, but still, it does taste great. And, and that's the cocktail sauce is what really makes uh, that's, it. That's what, that's what and, does uh, it right I, there. I, yep. Yeah, I'm, I might incur a cold before we get there next week just so I can put that cocktail sauce to the test. It'll clear the sinuses out in, in a heartbeat and in a hurry. All right, before we get to the deepest position in the draft, what's the best landing spot for both team and Justin Fields? I think the best landing spot is the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and there are a few reasons why. Uh, one, uh, you know, and the homecoming part of it, as I suppose, interesting, but I don't think it's why it's a good fit, but it is. I suppose worth noting, Justin has ties there, grew up there, and of course played for one season at Georgia before eventually transferring to Ohio State and having a great career there with the Buckeyes. Um, but in Atlanta, they are, and I, I don't know if it's ever quite as simple as one piece away, but a quarterback away from a far more compelling roster right now. Uh, and I think this is why the market for the Bears will be pretty good with Justin Fields, is that right now, Offhand, we have, and I'm just going to start listing teams, and uh, you know we can certainly expand this list even more. But besides the three teams at the top, Chicago, Washington, New England, who I think will trade for a quarterback, other teams that might be interested in a quarterback upgrade via the draft or trade or free agency include the New York Giants. I think there's a chance that the Atlanta Falcons, you've got the Raiders, you've got the Broncos, uh, the Saints probably not, but I think they're at least you know I think that there are fans who would certainly like them to consider it. Minnesota, Tampa Bay, if Baker Mayfield's not back, right there, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a lot of teams, and yet there aren't going to be that many quarterbacks that are available either in the first round or free agency 
um, that would, would help fill those needs. So I think that Atlanta uh, is interesting, not just because of what he would do for their roster, but also because at pick eight, I think that's simply too rich to use on a player like J.J. McCarthy from Michigan or Bo Nix from Oregon. I think that is outside of the range of where I'd be comfortable drafting those players. So I'd rather pay the less prohibitive cost on Justin Fields and see if I can't get him to be playing more consistent football and some of the football that we saw at times in Chicago. Field, even though the Bears will never cop to it, if they decide to move on from Fields because they're going to take Caleb Williams number one, does it factor into the equation at all that also last year they passed on number one and obviously could have had C.J. Stroud? Well, yes, but uh, here's what I would say is no one would have told him to take C.J. Stroud last year, right? Right, like, right, right. Um, everybody, it, w- it would be that they passed on Bryce Young, yeah. and right now that looks like a pretty reasonable pick, <laughs> which, by the way, I get I know where you're coming from. Like, I mean, there's uh, people are going to have to live with that uh, forever, right? A lot of people said that, you know, C.J. Stroud was the clear-cut number two, and that's fine. I mean, we're, we're going to have big hits and misses every single year. That's the nature of the beast. It's, by the way, uh, the same thing in the NFL. I mean, the Panthers made a big bet, and if they had bet on C.J. Stroud, uh, a lot of people might still have jobs in Carolina that no longer have jobs. Hey, there. hey, so, hey, um, hey, that hurt. No, no, listen, he's on to bigger and better things, right? I mean, there you go. Uh, that, that's, that's just how it is. Um, but what I would say is this is the year in which bypassing the quarterback at number one is really pertinent here for Chicago because last year I think a lot of people felt like you know, Justin had sort of catalyzed that offense back in the 2022 season, despite the fact that they finished three and 14 or whatever it was, four and 13 to get that number one pick. There was enough momentum for Justin that the idea of taking a quarterback um, was not totally off the table for Chicago, but it felt like a responsible move to trade down and get a zillion assets like they did. Um, and the trade has worked out masterfully with DJ Moore and Darnell Wright and potentially Caleb Williams here. This is the one where if you don't do it, it's the kind of thing that could haunt you for 25 years if (laughs) Justin continues to be what he is, which is, you know, I would say somewhere around the 15th to 18th best quarterback in the NFL, somewhere in that range without going through every single quarterback around there. Um, And uh, Caleb Williams becomes a star. That's where you'd have to really, like, you know, reconcile – could I have just done the more straightforward thing um, and used the number one pick on a terrific quarterback prospect like Caleb Williams? Well, my little brother goes from Carolina to, yes, you're right, the Seattle Seahawks. So there you go. Uh, you know, f- fresh blood. Yeah. Right, right there. I, I, we have about 30 seconds. We're, we're, we're up against it. Give us the deepest position, in, in your opinion, in the upcoming NFL draft. Wide receiver, not even close. We're going to have maybe four or five, six go in the first round. But we're going to see a whole bunch other of others go in the second, third, fourth round. Heck, I've got guys who have round five grades for me that I think have a chance to become starters in the NFL. That's awesome. Go read his, uh, his, his mock draft on ESPN.com and the PC and Courtney Cronin did on the number one overall pick in the future of Justin Fields. Man, we greatly appreciate your time as always, Field. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Field. Gentlemen, be well. Talk to you. All right, man. Field Yates joining us here right here on ESPN Radio. Jonathan Zaslow in for Amber Wilson on me and Fitzsimmons. Coming up, the Cowboys Pro Bowl edge rusher Micah Parsons is showing he wants to lead, but we will explain to you how he's going about it the wrong way when you return here on ESPN Radio. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Micah Parsons, edge rusher, Dallas Cowboys, was on with Stephen A. Smith for about 45 minutes for his podcast. And you won't believe what he said about Dak and Patrick Mahomes. We'll get into that coming up in about 60 seconds here on ESPN Radio. With Jonathan Zaslow in for Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. We appreciate you spending part of your evening with us as we are presented by Progressive Insurance. But, Zaz, we were just talking during the break. Field D8's good enough to join us talking the number one overall pick, draft, Justin Fields, everything. Wicked smart. Um, (laughs) My boy is is wicked smart. (laughs) Well done. Nice pickup. Good wool hunting. I had no idea, but some of our best conversations happen off air. This one we can actually share on air what we were talking about off air when it comes to Field Yates. James Steele, our producer, and our associate producer, Ryan Matlock, tonight are big wrestling guys. I used <laughs> to be when I was growing up. I absolutely loved it, right? Dusty Rhodes was my hero. I mean, loved it. Lo- but business, I loved Dusty there you Rhodes. Go. James Steele, would you please share with, with everyone what you just told us about Field Yates? Yeah, so um, went to Monday Night Raw with a bunch of people from ESPN Radio last summer. Uh, our <laughs> friend Jason Fitz got us uh, tickets, incredible tickets. We were uh, super surprised where we were actually sitting, like front row on, at Monday Night Raw. Uh, Field, Field went with us, uh, was you know talking about how he's a fan, not really a super you know hardcore. Was he kind fan of or like anything. dumbing it down a little bit, yeah, like yeah. trying to be kind of cool? And then we're. Right, and he then was a little clo- a little bit of a closeted yeah. wrestling fan, and then okay. we're and then we're sitting in our seats before the show, and like he starts talking to us about stuff that's happening, and he made I I can't remember exactly, but he made like a great like analogy to something, and and me and Pat, who produces uh, the morning show, we looked at each other and we looked at Field, and we're like. You're not. You're not a casual fan. You're a, <laughs> you're a wrestling fan, dude. <laughs> and then the show's over. Seth, uh, Seth freaking Rollins, uh, who was who was the world heavyweight champion and just won it a couple weeks before, was in the main event. And the show goes off the air, and uh, he's giving high fives. Seth Rollins giving high fives to everyone around the barricade, and he sees Field. He points right at him. He's like, "Hey, man, what's going on? Glad you got to come out and see the show." <laughs> if you would have given <laughs> me. Went, we, we all looked in the field and we were like, what? man. Field bleeping Yates. We, we didn't tell That's us. the world champion, Field. You didn't tell us you were best friends with Seth Freakin' Rollins. What the world champion. You could have given me every single employee here, CBS, Fox, NFL Network, and the last person I would have chosen to be a diehard wrestling fan and be on speed dial with a world heavyweight champ would be Field Yates. 
Because he's too smart. That's what you're saying. He yeah, comes or, off as too smart. And, you know, I mean, he's an East Coast guy, Nantucket, you know, probably grew up on a boat, wears a Schmedium shirt. So, I mean, yeah, Field Yates, no shot. None. Zero. Zilch. <laughs> yeah. I knew he was a fan, but he, but he, he really played hard. it down. And then all of a sudden we're like, I would have bet guy, you his all casual the- fan is best friends yeah. with Seth Rollins. Okay, Field. I, I would have bet right. you all the money in my wallet. That he that he, he's he would he that no chance he would even know who Seth Rollins is and he's got him on speed dial loves Un- it unbelievable he that, loves it uh, the 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 layers of that dude I mean it's like an onion man just keep peeling it back and you start learning more and more about a human being now hopefully right, he's, hopefully feels okay with uh, you know just everyone now knows that he is yeah, a, some just, people don't like to tell everybody they're a pro wrestling fan you sorry Field sorry about that Field. Yeah, well, you know, then the next thing you know, he's on with uh, Freddie and Harry instead of us from now on. All right, here we go. Now, uh, to Micah Parsons. Give this a listen. Here, here's Micah with Stephen A. Smith getting into a debate about what his quarterback, Dak Prescott, has accomplished compared to other AFC quarterbacks besides Patrick Mahomes. Besides Patrick Mahomes, what other quarterback in the AFC has accomplished anything to get more credit than Dak? Joe Farrell. Josh Allen. Did he finish? No, but they got further. It doesn't doesn't matter how far you get. If you're going home and you're not tearing the ring, it doesn't matter. So you go to the NFC Championship. It doesn't matter. If we get sent home, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's no difference. It doesn't matter. Getting bounced in a wild card game? It's no difference. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. All you're doing is getting getting more hope. More hope. But if you are not the Super Bowl champion, it does not matter what you've accomplished. It doesn't matter if you're an MVP, defense player of the year. It doesn't matter. If you're not the Super Bowl champion, it doesn't matter. You haven't accomplished anything. All right. Now, Zaz, I, I love the fact that he Woo. is saying all or nothing, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you even get to the Super Bowl like Joe Burrow did and lose. It's all or nothing. It's winning the big tamale, the big chip, taking home the ring. You like or that. Or nothing. I do because that's his attitude. Win it all or I don't give a damn. You're nothing. But should he be saying that because now you're taking shots at other dudes around the league and saying that they have accomplished absolutely zero. So I love his attitude, but is that something that he should be saying publicly? I'm okay with that attitude, you know, for him to have that attitude because it's, hey, it's all or nothing. If, if you're not first, you're last. All right. So Ricky I'm okay Bobby. with him having that attitude. But if we're going to sit here, if, if he's not in the locker room with teammates, if he's not talking to other dudes who are in the league competing against each other, if he's going to sit there and have an actual conversation with Stephen A. Smith, we need to come back down to planet Earth. Like, like we need to have a we, we need to be rational if we're going to actually have a conversation about this because only one team wins every year. It's really, really hard to win the Super Bowl. So if we're going to have a rational conversation, we do have to be able to tell the difference between a quarterback who has won two MVPs now in Lamar Jackson and say I, I don't you know I don't want to call anybody out who literally hasn't done any winning, but a quarterback of a team that's maybe okay, fine, I'll just say it, Mac Jones. There's a difference between the two of those guys if we want to have a rational conversation. Like Lamar ja- L- Lamar Jackson and Mac Jones, they're not the same because neither one of them has won the Super Bowl. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, but I do love the attitude that he has, but here's the other part. You know, like like I'll give Roquan Smith as an example. Even going back to his Georgia days when he, he, they were playing your Florida Gators and they're up, I think it was 47 to nothing. And uh, the starters were taken out, backups went in, they gave up a touchdown. Roquan Smith was not having any of it. I mean, he was furious, absolutely livid 
but you don't hear him talking and doing a lot of interviews. You don't see Roquan Smith out, you know, doing a lot of trash talking or or going on with anybody, you know, talking about how if you don't win at all, you got nothing. He does that behind the scenes. He's holding guys accountable in the locker room and during games. And I, I like the fact how Micah is trying. Micah Parsons is showing he wants to be a leader and trying to lead and winning but it all. Does it feel like a little grandstanding? Matters. But it, yes, and, and because guys that are really leading in that locker room are doing it in the locker room. Guys that are really leading on the practice field are doing it on the practice field it feels or during a like grandstanding. A game. Yeah, it it does. A little bit. It does. It feels a little bit like like grandstand. And this team needs a Roqu- this, this team needs a guy in that room holding teammates accountable who aren't afraid to get in another dude's face and go, "You are not doing it right. You're not putting in the grind." That's what that that's what the Cowboys need. They don't have yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm all, I'm also confused in that. Like, why is he? Why are we comparing Dak with AFC quarterbacks? Like, why did we narrow it to just AFC quarterbacks? I mean, maybe part of the conversation got taken out of context it sounded, there, I guess. It, it, it sounded like that was kind of organic in, in the conversation. How okay. uh, Dak went with, you know, uh, just because Mahomes won the chip again, uh, other guys in that conference. That, that's what it But that's not like. real life, you know, that only, only the quarterback who wins the Super Bowl, you know, is a dog, and everybody else is equally a loser. Like, that's, that's not reality. That's not the way it works. No, it's not. And the Cowboys need some some guys in there that are going to go up and, and and get in other dudes' faces. Micah feels like he's trying to do it, but it's out in public and not in, in the room where it really needs to happen. Yeah. He's Zaslo. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. Coming up next, how a number one team got absolutely punked. I'll let you know how when we come back here on ESPN Radio. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now then you get a surprise from Vegas. Sometimes it's a gift. Sometimes that surprise kicks you right in the nethers. With Jonathan Zaslow, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio. We appreciate you spending part of your evening with us. Amber Wilson has the night off. 
And one of those moments, Zaz, came last night. Okay. Where, where the moment uh, I'm flipping through uh, ESPN bet, checking out, you know, the college basketball lines. Yeah. I'm, I'm filling in on, on uh, for Chris Carlin on, on with Joe Fortenball. And the moment that I saw the con only favored by three over Creighton, right. Fortenball looked and I looked, both looked at each other and went, give us a Blue Jays. Because okay. no rhyme or reason, no style of play, no X's and O's, no pace of play, no matchup. It's just because Vegas is begging you to take UConn. And what happened? Creighton beat the ever-loving yeah. snot out of him. So let's yeah. get into it right now with Seth Greenberg, <laughs> one of the best in the business. He returns here as he does on Wednesdays here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Coach, we always appreciate your time, man, and the insight and the knowledge. Um that was an absolute butt kicking. How did it happen? Four games in like ten days, coming off a huge emotional win against Marquette, where you absolutely boat raced them, traveling you know three and a half, four hours, uh, quick turnaround against a, a team that needed a quality win in Creighton. Creighton is a very, very tough place to play. Twenty-one thousand people, and a really good basketball team. You know, Creighton preseason was top ten; they're a top fifteen team now. So. You know, if you're the number one team in the country or you haven't lost in, in two months, in two months, Oof. you're playing a really good team with a veteran team, one of the oldest teams in the country. Uh, Ashworth had a huge game. Obviously, they shut. When you go 14 for 18, that's a good thing. And then the other thing that happened is uh, the defensive game plan for Coach McDermott was great. You know, if you think about how they played, they chased Caravan, they chased Spencer off the three-point line by – basically locking and chasing and forcing the curls. They played drop coverage on Kalkbrenner. What did he do? He basically became a one-man zone. And then they basically just did the best they could on Newton and and shrunk the court on Castle. So that's what they did defensively. Offensively, that wasn't Connecticut defense. And that's why I say four games in 10 or 12 days or whatever it was, uh, out of character. They weren't as active. They weren't as alert. They didn't really take a lot away. They didn't close out and run. Creighton off the three-point line, that wasn't what we're used to seeing with Connecticut defensively. But, you know, you go two months without losing, you play a good team on the road in a crazy environment, you're going to lose a game. So, uh, you know, Joe had that game right. And, you know, that I'm not sure that was a killer one to pick, knowing the history of these two teams. Creighton's had, had has done a good job playing against UConn. And uh, UConn picked a bad day, maybe not to be the very best. You know, Coach, like you mentioned there, two months without losing. Do you subscribe to the idea that sometimes later in the season, like now, it's good to have a loss like that before the tournament? Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, like say you, know, you get your team refocused. If you've ever been to the Danny Hurley practice, they have no problem focusing. I can promise you that, right? Because there's a consequence for not focusing. Uh, those practices are high-level, intense, great energy, tremendous teaching, uh, a standard that they're held accountable to every single possession. You know, I would say, and it didn't humble them. I just think that, look, the last undefeated team, let's put it this in perspective, the last undefeated team was 1976. Now, you think about college basketball today, it's older, it's more mature, uh, Teams are deeper and more talented. There's a, we've seen it all season, a number of unranked teams that have won at home and beat nationally ranked teams. Now you're talking about a ranked team, a team that was preseason top 10, beating the number one team in the country. So, I mean, that lost three players to the NBA a year ago. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't overreact to it. 
I think they've got his, their attention for sure. Uh, I think that the film session tomorrow probably at UConn as they prepare for Villanova, but the film session on Creighton will be interesting. I'll leave it at that because I spoke to Danny today. Uh, I think he'll have their attention. I think that it'll be uh, there'll be some strong messages, uh, but it'll be done in the locker room. It won't be done in a post game press conference. There's a difference. I love that. Actually, I mean, I absolutely love that. Seth Greenberg here with us, uh, getting you caught up on everything going on in college basketball here on ESPN Radio with Jonathan Zaslow and me and Fitzsimmons. What did you make of Rick Pitino's comments, especially publicly calling out players? I was really disappointed. Look, Rick Pitino, and and you know, I mean, you've known him for a long time. Rick Pitino is a guy that when I grew up, he was the first one of us in our generation, he's older than me by about five years, to get a head coaching job. And he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's coached championship teams uh, nationally, internationally, at every level of college basketball, from Boston University, obviously, to Kentucky, to the New York Knicks, to the Boston Celtics. Having said that, um, I was really disappointed. I was really disappointed. Uh, you know, he talks about, you know, this team's lacks lateral quickness, you know, the facilities. Well, you know what? Here's the deal. You took the job. You knew what the facilities were. You also knew you had Madison Square Garden. All right? You took the job. You said you didn't have time to recruit. Yeah, you had time to recruit, Rick. You did have time to recruit. You, know, you brought 11 players, I think, into your program. Chris Ludlam was going to go to Tennessee. All right? He flipped. You, know, you brought one of your own players uh, and Denise Jenkins with you. You knew exactly what you were getting. Jordan Dingle, all right, was big first team all big five. You knew what you were getting. You knew he was a big time jump shooter. You're up nineteen points in the second half. Look, you lost you lost to Creighton with a lead. You lost to I think Seton Hall with a lead. You lost to what one I think it was Providence with a lead. You're in it together with your team. Take some responsibility. Take some responsibility. If you got a problem with the team, do it in the film session. If you got a problem with the team, do it in your practice session. I don't think you gain any advantage whatsoever uh, basically going, walking into a press conference and pointing the finger at everyone else but yourself. Uh, so it was disappointing, and I'm sure I'll probably be hearing from him because we're going to talk about it on game day. Uh, like I said, he's someone that I've known since I'm 14, 15 years old, but that's how I feel, and I'm sure how, that's probably how the parents of those players feel. And I know they're going to be Georgetown tonight, and everyone said, look at that. Oh, that was great motivation. No, it isn't. They were going to be Georgetown anyway. I mean, so, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I just don't understand if you're up 19, you know, you have no lateral quickness, but you're up 19, but then you lose the game. I mean, as a coach, you've got to take some responsibility for how you manage your game. Did you change defenses? Did you have the right lineups on the floor? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, so. A little surprising, a little disappointing. Uh, he's still a great coach, and I, I admire him tremendously. I just think uh, – I don't think he handled that correctly. Coach, I'm, I'm down here in South Florida, so obviously I, I keep an eye on what's going on with the University of Miami. And right now on ESPN television, number eight Duke is up 61-42 on the Hurricanes with about eight minutes to go in the second half. What's happened to the Hurricanes this year? Are they as disappointing a team as there is in the country this year? No, 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 no. Look, injuries, man. They lost Matthew Cleveland. They lost Nigel Pack. Uh, you know, they lost two really good players that graduated, and obviously Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller. So, you know, I mean, look, they got off to the great start, but they've been banged up a little bit. They have no depth in their front court whatsoever. Uh, I don't think they're disappointing. I mean, when you deal with it, when you get players injured in basketball and you only have 10 guys in scholarship and, you know, maybe you only want to carry eight that are going to be in your rotation and you lose key guys, 
it really impacts you. Now they, you know, they've never been great defensively recently. What they've been is always really good offensively. Uh, and I think the big problem is that they, you know they don't get enough stops. They have no depth. There's so much pressure on Norchad O'Meara in their front court. And then I thought that early on Matthew Cleveland was showing a little bit of the skill set of Jordan uh, Miller, but I, he's not that good. And right. Nigel Pack's been banged up a little bit, and he just hasn't been as good. Coach, I, I, we were at the Alabama game when they actually hung over a, a century mark on uh, a Texas A&M squad. It plays pretty good defense. I mean, but uh, the reason I bring that up is Alabama lo- lo- looks like to me one of those teams that they can play only one way and they got to outscore you. How many teams out there can win with a different style? Like one team that comes to mind is Houston. I think they can beat you if they play in the 80s or they can beat you 45 to 40 in a rock fight. How many teams can win with a different style and how important is that come championship week and the tournament? I think it's really important. I think can you impose the bigger thing is can you impose your identity on a game? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Like so whether it's speed a game up or slow game down, can you impose your identity on the game? So like for Alabama, you know, can you get your that team to get up and down so there's space, so now all of a sudden you're out of transition and they're hard to stop it's hard to stop the basketball against them. And if they get paint touches, they're kicking it out. You know, they're shooting fifty plus percent of the shots from the three. Uh their ball screen stuff is good, their spacing's great. Now, if you can, you can slow them down, get them in the half court, keep them in front, not have to overextend, not have to overhelp, then it's different. Then all of a sudden now it, the game changes a little bit. So the big thing is uh, can you impose your identity on the game? And in the NCAA tournament, it's really big in the second half, in the second game of, uh, of the weekend because you really played a four-team bracket. That's what, right. you know, as you go to the NCAA tournament, you're just playing in a four-team bracket. Mm-hmm. You want to win that bracket so you can get to next weekend. So, like in that bracket, if you're playing Saturday and then you know you, you know you got Saturday, Monday, or whatever, or Friday, Friday, Sunday, you know how much can that team s- simulate what you do in 36 hours? Now, how difficult are you pre- to prepare for in a short turnaround? And that's that's the big thing when you start looking for teams that maybe. Uh, can pull off an upset in the NCAA tournament as you're filling out your bracket. Look at the turnarounds. Look at the turnarounds. And when you look at the turnarounds, uh, you say, wait a second, man, that seems really hard to prepare for. It might be a pressure. It might be a Princeton-type offense. It might be certain matchups that they create. But those are things to look for when you try to, to fill out your bracket. Amen. Right there. Hey, Coach, we always appreciate it. Thank you so much for the insight. If you can, get Reese Davis to wear some sneaks with a suit. I mean, come on. Come <laughs> no, up no, with no, modern I don't, times. No, I, don't, I don't believe. Hey, here's the thing. You're talking to the wrong guy. I'm not a big believer in, in the sneakers. Uh, don't give that, me the that, adult that, like, shoe thing. Guys, <laughs> here's, here's the deal. Everyone wants to look cool. You know, so, oh, yeah, you're going to wear a sneaker. You know, that looks like white sneakers with a really nice suit. It's an insult to the pants. We're talking about this next week. Seth, you're the best, man. Enjoy yeah. the game. See you, buddy. Take care. Seth Greenberg here with us on ESPN Radio. I'm with, I'm with Coach there. No, I, I, no. Yeah, I, like, no. I'm, I'm a young enough guy, I guess. I don't do the sneakers with the nice pants. I don't. I don't get it. I don't, I'm, I'm not stylish enough, I guess. I'm in a suit every single weekend. From and you're rocking sneakers August every time. to December, and I am walk, I'm wearing sneaks on every field, yeah. especially field turf. Every single week. But what if you're going to a nice event? It depends what the sneaks look like. Okay. I mean, if, if you know, like, I, 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 yeah, if you're all black with a white sole and like the Adidas boost, 
Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing those. A nice pair of sneakers now are just the same as a nice pair of shoes. Thank you, apparently. James Steele. Yeah, apparently. That's just the style now. Reese yelled at The reason I asked might that might be is, more expensive than a nice pair of shoes. A lot of them, too. No doubt about it, man. <laughs> By the way, the only reason I brought that up is Reese Davis yelled at me at the national championship for wearing, uh, as he called them, not adult shoes. It's, <laughs> it's different for you. You're running all around. Like, doesn't he know that? Thank you. I'm on my feet for seven hours yeah, down there. You can't be wearing, you can't be wearing loafers. Yeah, you got. You got Thank like you, Matt Lack. Sixteen cuts on the right one. We ain't got time for adult <laughs> shoes, man. We're children around here. All right, coming up next. Why Steph Curry is t- is talking about retirement? You don't want to miss this when you come back right here on ESPN Radio. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and. Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Steph Curry was asked a question after the NBA All-Star game about retirement. His answer might surprise you a bit. You'll hear it coming up in about 90 seconds right here on ESPN Radio. With Jonathan Zaslow, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. Uh, we appreciate you spending part of your evening or afternoon, depending on where you are in this great country, uh, with us here on uh, the ESPN app or Sirius XM Channel 80. A quick update in college basketball. We have got a top 12 team gone with an L tonight. Penn State takes down 12th-ranked Illinois 90-89. to they were down seven at the half. They were down eight with about two minutes to go. Found a way to rally back as a seven-and-a-half-point underdog on ESPN bet. Penn State outright win. Number 12 goes down in Happy Valley, 90-89. to Other top 25 action right now. Florida was up by 10 at Alabama, whereas Alabama has, has now won 15 straight home SEC games. The 13th ranked tied now down two. To Florida, 76-74. George Mason on top of number 16, Dayton, 61-58. to And the Dukies are absolutely chicken-kicking yeah. Miami right now, 71-47. to If you took the seven with the Canes like I did, damn! <laughs> At least you don't have to pay attention anymore. You, you, right, you, I'm you, out. You could divert your, your attention elsewhere. Now I'm holding on to this uh, to, to Florida catching 10, and it's going to be a wild ride. Now, Alabama has actually taken a one-point lead on a Grant Wilson 3, 77-76 now. Alabama on top of Florida. You're caught up on some of the top 25 action going on around men's college basketball. Championship week will be here before you know it. And then the tourney, and then we're all going into the madness. All right, Zaz, let's get into it. Hit Steph Curry 
was posed a question after the All-Star game as to whether he thinks about retirement now at the age of 35. Here's what the Warriors guard said. Think about it all the time. Uh, but the thoughts stop because you got to get ready for the next game. And, you know, there's a routine and a, a cycle that goes that you you embrace the now. And uh, eventually you'll get to a point where you'll wake up and whatever your body's telling you, whatever your mind's telling you, it's time. But I don't think I'm anywhere close to that. The last part is the defining part. But the headline is what had so many people talking that love the ballet. And that is, whoa, he's thinking about retirement? I thought Zaz was a very honest answer. Yeah, I think about it every day. I think about it all the time. But I'm not there yet. Why wouldn't he think about it all the time? Thank you. I mean, he's 35 years old, which when you think about it, is crazy to think that Steph Curry has been in the league that long. He's been in the league 15 years. Like, that's kind of wild. But even though he's, he's... Still at the top of his game, it's not surprising me at all that he thinks about retiring. He's won four championships already. He, you know, realistically, legacy-wise, all that stuff, he really can't do anything more than he's already done. He's only played for one team. He's only probably ever going to play for the one team. He's got all the money in the world. He's got a beautiful family, and you get to a place where all right, you know what? I'm going to move on with the rest of my life at some point here. I've done everything I could. It really isn't surprising to me that he thinks about retiring. Not just a beautiful family, but a beautiful golf swing uh, to go with it, right? So They all want to be yeah, golfers. Go Every, you know, you know, football, baseball, hockey, basketball, they all really uh, want to be golfers. I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on football yeah? players. Yeah, because some of those dudes, uh, muscle memory with that golf swing is not there. Hockey guys, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ba- and basketball, basketball, too. They love absolutely. It. Baseball, absolutely. They love Football, it. eh. I'm going to push back a little bit on that one. But here's the other part about when you hear guys of, of his stature talking about retirement. The, the last part is the most important. I ain't there yet. Not even close. But the businessman in him, I guarantee you, has been thinking about this for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I remember Joey Galloway. When I was doing a show with Herb Street in Columbus, Ohio, Galloway was with the Dallas Cowboys, and he's he just coming off of, you know, I think it's his second ACL injury, and then organically in conversation, I just happened to ask him, how often do you think about retiring? You know what his answer was? I started all thinking about the probably. day I was drafted. Yeah, all the time. I mean, he said the day he was drafted. Yeah. He was preparing for life after football. Now, yeah. Joseph Scott Galloway would be a great politician, a great lawyer. I mean, you name Still it. Still believes dude, he's the fastest guy, right? He truly – he swears he can go right now Trying and to race run a 4-3-5. I mean, yep. he, sw- he swears he can, he, he can go do it. <laughs> Might yep. tear a hamstring, but he did 4-3-5 on the clock, right? But I think the great ones all have that somewhere. Already, They all already start planning it damn near the moment they get in the league. So this headline caught a lot of people by surprise. But when you really hear what he had to say, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I think when it stops being fun, and look, they're not any good, the Warriors. I know they played much better. And it's a grind. You heard, you heard that answer, right, where he's like, yeah. man, it's, a, it's day in, day out. Yeah, when it stops being fun, and right now it's still fun because he's still, he really is still at the top of his game. He is still awesome, and obviously his game translates well to aging because he's never been a guy, he's never been a high flyer, a guy who attacks the basket. So his game was always going to age super gracefully. And you haven't seen any kind of wear and tear with him. 
he's still really, really great. But when it starts to not be fun anymore, that's when the conversation will really hit a fever pitch. You know, just listening to you talk about the fun aspect of being a professional athlete, the first name that comes to mind, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders could have been the all-time NFL leading rusher. He could have been Emmitt Smith. He became he miserable. It. it was right there. You, it, it, it's, it, it, from the outside looking in, I've never asked him this. We've sat down with him several times. We were at the Super Bowl where my, my, my brother was coaching with, with the Detroit Lions. One of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. Still an ambassador now for the team. But you can almost tell it, the reason that he stepped away still at the peak of his game yeah. wasn't fun. Yeah, he was miserable. Yeah, that's when it ends. He's still having fun out there, Steph Curry. He's still awesome. So he's still going to keep doing it. Yeah, the moment you see him not taking those trick shots after warm-ups, that's when you got to go, oh, wait a minute, hang on a second. But again, in that clip, if you are just tuning in, uh, when he was posed the question, if he thinks about retirement, he said, yeah, all the time. But I ain't close. Not yet. So it's good for us as basketball fans because that dude is still, for speaking of fun, that dude is just flat out fun to watch. It's He's amazing because it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago when you got to 35 years old. You weren't you, doing what you these guys to, are doing now. Cooked his Christmas dinner, man, yeah. no doubt about it. All right, coming up next, one of the best coaches in America lets you know why he moans when he eats. <laughs> well, Zaslow, I'm Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app.